creating cyberspace, and welcome to episode 240 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Barney Angelo. Double Density is your home to tech hails and paranormal. Paranormal, so first things first, Angelo, I'm seeing you type into the Google Doc that we share uh, for show notes. You're typing something about a video game, so I figured, let us start with Angelo's video game corner. Angelo, the virtual floor is yours. Armored Core 6 came out at the end of August, and uh, I haven't really been buying new games. Don't do that often, but it's a new FromSoft game. I've never played the Armored Core series. I watched a lot of YouTube videos about it in preparation. Mechs, robots, giant robots attacking each other. Nothing wrong with that, Brian. I remember renting the original PlayStation 1 and loving it. So I don't think I ever played them, but I could be wrong. I really don't remember. Yeah. I mean, it's also been like 25 years at this point. Yeah, and FromSoft moved away from those once they hit a, like a gold mine with the Souls games. So they kind of moved away from that, but Miyazaki always really liked Armored Core, so right. decided to go back to it. I don't think he's the actual uh, creative director behind this, but I mean, he's the president of the company at this point. So Yeah, he can do what he wants. Yeah, and Armored Core 6, really fun. Huge departure from the Souls type thing. It's still <laughs> like very difficult, and you see a lot of the same DNA there. But mm-hmm. it's mission based, very more, a lot more video gamey. Let's say, right, right. I have also purchased a new game. No way. Yeah, I started playing my favorite. Uh, so my, one of my favorite Metroidvanias of the last couple of years is Blasphemous. So the sequel Blasphemous Two came out uh, like a week ago. And my wife and I have probably played like 15 hours worth, if not 20 almost, of just discovering all the different things in there. What's the premise of Blasphemous? Because I'm not super familiar with it. Oh my god, it's like a religious tinged one, but like just the history of religion. And there's a, so basically you play someone called the Penitent One who has to, it's just, it's, the lore is very heavy. Well, only the Penitent Man can get the Holy Grail. Yeah, exactly. So it's like this whole thing. Anyways, I don't play it for the story. Obviously, the story is a little bit confusing sometimes. Um, but the you know the Metroidvania of it is, is quite nice, right? So you get to level up. You actually get to use three weapons this time around. Um, yeah, you get to jump around. Also, Angelo, before I forget, you may not know this, but Shredder's Revenge has got some DLC. Are you going to be getting it? I will be. It's a, it's available now. It's ten bucks. What is this DLC? So there's two new characters, a bunch of uh, new levels, and a survival mode. So one of the new characters is one of my favorite combo characters, Yusaki Yojimbo, who has teamed up with the Turtles in the past. Definitely worthwhile. I'm going to be purchasing it because I just remembered while I'm speaking to you. So I'm going to buy this for uh, Monday, September 4th. So you talked about confusing storylines. Nothing to worry about there in a FromSoft game. Those games are always so straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> no, so Armored Core, story. I have no idea what the heck's happening. Yeah. You just know that you need to pilot a mech. I go in, I destroy other mechs, and it's a lot of fun. I think half the fun of this game is figuring out all the stats and stuff. I thought that would be really boring to me when I saw this. I was a bit worried. And now going through and just buying parts for your mech and putting them together in the best possible way is a lot of fun. And it looks yeah. like the the consensus among the community is that dual Gatling guns are great. And I've tried it, and I can con- I concur, they are great. There we go, yeah. Um, have you told your wife that just blanket statement without saying anything else? I'll just go up to her later. Honey, dual, dual Gatling guns. Listen, also very you, difficult to say, but a lot of fun to play. Listen, lady, you need to know about the dual Gatling guns and just walk away, right? I told the kids all about that in the car on the way to the zoo yesterday. <laughs> oh, uh, speaking of Turtles, I watched the Turtles movie. Fun, right? It's so good. 
the first movie since the first two, I feel that like really the teenage element of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, was in there. A lot of fun. I could have watched like 16 hours of that thing. I went to see it with my son and his friend. The animation's really cool too. Very different. Yeah. A little yeah, bit Spider-Man-esque. Yeah. Spider-Verse. Yeah, but I like I was thoroughly amused by it um, in a way that like I didn't I thought I'm glad that we're doing away with the story of like, here's the bad guy. Here's the bad guy's origin. They're going to fight. And like this was a much more interesting kind of setup, I thought. Well, because it was it wasn't black and white. No, exactly. Exactly. Um, so I really like that. Obviously, Post Malone in there. I uh, loved him. So he's in. I, I didn't know that. So who who does Post Malone play? He plays the character of Ray Filet. Which one's that? He's the one who sings. Ray oh, that was, oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it was a lot of fun to, to watch that. Anyways, I, I loved it. It was so much fun. Um, I recommend it to anyone, any age. Post Malone seems like an actual decent dude. I know. He also bought the, the Lord of the Rings $1 million uh, training card. Or not training card, but uh, collectible uh, card game card recently. The huh. One Ring. So he's a big nerd, right? Yes, absolutely okay. a big nerd. Okay. Speaking of nerdy stuff, Angela, let's talk about Apple, one of your favorite nerdy endeavors, and them supporting the uh, Californian uh, state right to repair bill, which is a, a 180 from their usual kind of um, shtick. I'm wondering what your thoughts on this, and let's, we're going to go meta afterwards. I'm kind of curious, but how do you feel about this news? I think it's good news on its surface level. It's great news, but I'm laughing because it's Apple like saying, yeah, repair stuff. Good luck. So that is what I'm thinking, right? So I feel like Apple realized that people screwing up their repairs can actually drive up sales at the end of the day, which I thought was kind of interesting because a lot of states have talked about um, uh, mandating a right to repair model for things, right? Uh, And so I think Apple realized that getting ahead of this while also trying to play off that like they will actually want to do this, I think it's just a giant ploy to get more people into Apple stores buying stuff, ultimately, when a third-party vendor cannot fix things properly. And Apple's right to repair stuff. Don't they basically send you this inscrutable kit. kit of they things buy you, to this fix? Is kit. It's like here's a kit. Now your next step. It's like here's your kit. Next step, get an engineering degree. Once you come back after four or five years, you can fix your phone. Exactly. At yeah. that point, you will need those, a new phone. Yeah, like you need to have a. Uh, you need to be well versed in the world of engineering, from what I understand, to to get the most out of your your repair kit. Like the only thing they really make that is user accessible is the mac pro and nobody has a mac pro because nobody really needs a mac pro no no like i'm at the limit of what any normal even prosumer needs with a mac studio but the mac studio is not the limit it's so much. There's so like I, and I oh, have. I see what you mean. Sorry, I thought you meant that you were on the cusp of no, not at Mac all. Pro, I was it's very just, confused about what no, you were up to. When no, it- like so for most people, I have a base model Mac Studio, but it has an M and it's an older one M1 processor, which is incredibly fast. It has 32 gigabytes of RAM, which is a lot of RAM. I'm never even close to topping out with logic pro which is the 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 main pro app i use like not even close so i can imagine that if a high-end recording studio has a higher-end mac studio or even a mid-range mac pro they're not even close to getting where they need to get to with these things yeah exactly uh yeah i'd say like 99 percent of people don't need (laughs) 
A Mac, a Mac Mini is, is good for most people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like a base model Mac Chrome, Mini. Yeah. Or a base model MacBook Air. Yep, true. True. I've seen a lot of people carry those around. And the only reason I got a, a MacBook Pro is because it was heavily discounted. And for the price I was paying over the MacBook Air, I was getting double the RAM and an HDMI cable and three USB-C inputs, right? So that was that nice HDMI to have. cable was really the, the, the game changer there. Well, I'll be honest with you, it's great because when I actually use it, I, I do plug into an HDMI cable every time I bring it to work. Do you mean an outlet or an actual cable? Because I thought you were talking about an actual physical cable that they gave to you versus the outlet. Sorry, no, the, the, the input of the okay, HDMI, input-output, yeah, yeah. it's an output, Because like, it's right? very weird for you to brag about a, ca- a cable. Oh, yeah, came with a cable. Does, Apple doesn't give you an HDMI cable. <laughs> no, exactly. That's why I was a little bit like, No, the HDMI input is great because yes. you, don't need to, you don't need to go to, like, get a dongle to... Take up a USB-C port. Uh, I know. I'm starting my eighty dollars dongle now, and I'm so mad. So yeah, it didn't really cost much more, and uh, the MacBook Pro is actually less expensive than the similarly specced MacBook Air, but it had more ports on it. Although the trade-off is it's a little heavier, but the screen's a little better. It's all trade-offs, right? So I was I was more than happy the trade-off getting an older MacBook Pro with that's a little bit heavier and. But you know, it's it's a workhorse almost. Yeah, it's that's gonna that thing's gonna last me five or six years. Yeah, no issues unless it yeah. explodes. So, looking from the past to the future, I'm kind of curious. There's an Apple event coming up September 12th, I think. Right? Yes. Um, iPhone. Uh, do event. we care? Do we care? I kind of care because my iPhone's getting three years old, and my daughter will need an iPhone or phone anyway. This year, she's going to be going to Europe as part of school, and the she has an iPhone eight. But if she goes to Europe. The best way to get online there is to have an eSIM, which your iPhone does yeah. not have. So I would get a new iPhone, replace the battery in my iPhone 12, and she would have that iPhone 12. Okay. That's, that's the th- plan. What about just getting her burner phone? No, because she wants to take good pictures and stuff. Like it'll, it'll be like the everything phone, right? Like she's going to take pictures with it. I, I'd, right. I'd rather her have something that, and then she could keep it, right? Like so she'll have a phone yeah. for the next yeah. five or six. So conceivably, she'd be able to, to keep the password and things like that. What what do you mean? Well, because I was trying to awkwardly segue into our next story about not using passwords properly. Oh, I missed that. I'm terrible. Let us talk about something called the wallet event, Angelo. And so a startup called Prime Trust, which pitches itself as a crypto fintech company designed to help other startups offer crypto retirement plans, uh, declared bankruptcy because it was unable to securely access the wallet containing $38.9 million of crypto in there um, because they uh, did not write down recovery phrases, and uh, that's a bit of a problem when you're trying to do this, right? Passwords uh, can be really problematic if you don't know how to keep them uh, in the front of your mind when it comes to these things. Yeah. Is there, has there been any update to this story? No, it's been that it. They've, it's been that's it, it it's right? Been, so they're uh, done. They declared bankruptcy uh, in Nevada, where their uh, company resides. And yes, they've, they've called this the wallet event, which is just, it's brutal to wa- read about. I think the problem with these types of passwords, it's not something you could put in a password manager, right? Like, it's something that has to stay outside of that. I mean, my question to you, then, in that case, is like, at what point, at what monetary point do you go from password manager to another system of passwords? And what's the thing, right? Like, what is the system of password? A password manager is probably the best thing for most people. Something like this, you know what? If it's for that much, you actually write it down on a piece of paper. And if you have $38 million, I'm sure you have a decent safe. Take a piece of paper and put it in that safe. 
Yeah. Or like email a friend a very innocuous email, but within there is hidden it or something. You know, like there are ways to sort of go around this. Well, like for example, like I show I'll us your safe, by the way, before I forget. For the next segment, I want you to show me I want I you to take the computer, show me my safe. I don't have a safe. But I also have thirty eight million dollars. Oh, sorry, Mr. Thirty seven million, I forgot. I said, yeah, so that's the thing, right? If you if you have something that important find a way to make sure you never ever forget that password well some of these like it's usb key right that keeps that, that, that is like a uh you know that does like a the, dongle the like the true yeah, sense of the, the word hand, yeah it does the handshake agreements right so you keep that in the bank or something yeah that's what safety deposit boxes are for that is correct i've watched anyways movies. people use uh, yet another uh, embarrassing moment in the world of crypto right it is such a sad state of affairs i accidentally stumbled upon a video by someone who it's like an online influencer sort of. And he was suggesting that people go out and they spend seven to $8,000 and buy crypto miners, like the mining rigs, uh, because the Bitcoin having is coming up in 2024, right? So there's going to be more Bitcoin to mine at that point. And he was saying like, you can three or four X your investment. Is this going to create another shortage in chips and uh, graphics cards? I don't know if the rush to gain Bitcoin will be as fervent. Have people realized, though, how scammy it all is? There's no Bitcoin thing that seems to me on the up and up in all ways. No. I think that Web3 is a far ways off from uh, having the kind of stability that consumers are looking for. And I think a lot of people lost a lot of money in the last couple of years and have come to the stark realization that they screwed up. There always seems to be a catch associated with anything to do with uh, crypto. Speaking of things that aren't a cash, though, I decided to share a bit of uh, good news that I read a couple weeks ago about how a paralyzed woman was able to, quote-unquote, speak through a digital avatar in the world first. So a 47-year-old woman named Anne, who's been severely paralyzed since having a brainstem stroke almost two decades ago, was able to speak to the world um, thanks to the University of California, San Francisco, um, because they attached a number of electrodes to her uh, brain. Um, in an area that's critical for speech, and she was able to um, bring an avatar to life to talk to people. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, this is a good use for something like the metaverse, where people that aren't able to normally communicate in the real world are able to almost have a normal life in there and speak to their loved ones. Yeah, so what they've done is that they started training um, a language model, kind of like ChatGPT, in order to be able to detect common words and things that she was saying in order to build um, language, which I thought was like super interesting. People are like worried about AI. Sometimes don't really, they think of all the worst possible case scenarios, but don't look at the good it's actually doing now. No, I definitely agree. And it's funny because um, the end of the comment talks about how um, uh, Dr. David Moses, a uh, professor of neurological uh, surgery at UCSF was talking about how giving people the ability to freely control their own computers and phones with this technology would have profound effects on their independence and social interactions, right? So I was kind of thinking about jailbreaking in a different kind of sense of um, these people being able to jailbreak um, um, the shell that they're trapped in. Uh, neurologically yeah. speaking, and sort of like make their way out into the world to connect, to interact, to be whole human beings in ways that they could otherwise not be. Now, it's pretty amazing that we are going in this direction with AI. It's not all bad. It's not all AI is going to take over our jobs. I mean, some of people's jobs may be taken over by AI, and that's something we'll have to deal with. But we adapt, right? We didn't want cars before. We just wanted to a faster horse. Yeah, correct. I was going to say, like, uh, that was London, right? In the late 1800s? I remember listening to uh, an episode of 
the Pessimists archive, and they were talking about how when people would be driving down the street in their new cars, there would be people on their side of the road yelling at them to get a horse. That is correct. Technology works in mysterious ways, Angelo. Who like? Let's talk about the Desperation Olympics here. Let's like whose job's going first? Yours or mine? Do you think? Like who's going to get gobbled first by AI entirely? There's certain aspects of both of our jobs that can't really be done by AI just yet. Like for example, when we deal with people appealing their decisions and things like that, like you can't have an AI bot appeal a decision because it's always going to choose the same thing. From what I can understand. And in your case, a lot of your stuff, I mean, your clients don't really be ta- want to be talking to a chatbot, do they? No. Also, uh, as much as chatbots are good, they're still very primitive in terms of... Uh, I can very easily spot when an AI article or something has been written. I will say I was playing with an AI detector recently. Mm-hmm. So I had, uh, I had to write an email for something, and I did two things. I did one where I wrote it myself, and then another one I had ChatGPT write it for me, just to see the differences. And... Both times, there, I tried a few different AI detectors, and bo- like in both instances, one of them said both were human written, and right. the other one said both were AI. <laughs> yeah. Like because and because I tried two different ones, and they gave me both wildly different answers. It was kind of a wash as to whether these so it's like a reverse Turing test almost yeah and it didn't really work well no because exactly, apparently yeah. either i either chat gpt was so good it writes like a human or I, I write like a robot i don't think you write like a robot i think it's just uh, it's still primitive right so my writing <laughs> well no 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 the 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 technology used your writing's fine you and i talk yeah. pretty much every day like you you put cogent sentences together most of the time um, I'm having trouble with this new keyboard. I, I do a lot more typos on this keyboard, but I'm Oh, do you to, really? Yeah, the light-up yeah. keyboard that you finally yeah. realized the lighting up is a good idea? Yeah, it's, it's illuminated right now, and I was very incorrect. I do like using the illumination on days when it's gloomy outside, or at this time in the evening, it is uh, illuminated right now, but the battery dies way faster. It doesn't yeah. really matter. Who cares? Yeah. It's in front of the computer that charges it, so it doesn't matter. Exactly. Angel, I think this would be a good time to head on over to the paranormal side of things. How about, uh, how about that? Computer. I'm a computer guy. Everything made out of buttons and wires. Double density. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. First things first, Professor Ali Loeb has uh, shots fired against your friend of mine, Neil deGrasse Tyson. More so your friend, more so my annoyance, Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? Have you watched the video, Angelo? The News Nation video? I actually did not get a chance to watch it because I just realized it was in the show notes. Yes. Okay. Anyways, so <laughs> Dr. Avi Loeb talks about how um, – so he talks about how uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson needs to like – so they play a clip of Neil deGrasse Tyson who's like, oh, I don't know about aliens. You need, you need proof. You need proof in order. You can't just go – his testimony is so low. It's so low on the tonal pole. You need proof. So Avi Loeb was talking about how he – so for example, like he recently combed the Pacific – with a giant like rake, essentially, to go collect some very interesting rocks that don't seem to be uh, native to the area, for example, right, uh, on the seafloor. And he's saying how Neil deGrasse Tyson loves to talk about science versus Dr. Avi Lope is doing science, as in he is publishing papers and continuing his research. And I did some digging. Neil deGrasse Tyson hasn't published since 2008, which I thought was very interesting. Apart from his own like personal science books, right? Yeah, but I mean like, like scientific Academically. papers. Academically. He hasn't yeah, exactly, si- he hasn't, yeah. 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 I mean, no, there's some uh, nice, uh, you should get a YouTube beef here. 
<laughs> but I mean, like you and I, well, more so me than you, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, not a huge fan of him to say the least. And, uh, his like general skepticism about extraterrestrials is like very interesting because it, it really comes off as, as, uh, uh, flamboyantly angry almost. Yeah, it's more along the lines of uh, science stand-up comedy, I find. It's very yeah, funny. And it's, it's fun to watch, but I don't always agree with the way he approaches it because it's it's really debunking and not skepticism. Well, that's not even debunking, I don't think. It's just it's just inflammatory speech almost that just doesn't yeah. seem to serve. I agree with him a lot of the times. It's just the way he comes off saying it. I can see how it annoys certain people that want to believe more so i think it it shows a closed-mindedness yes about things that like generally if you're a scientist or scientist adjacent you shouldn't be displaying that yeah i i understand what you mean uh so i thought so let us go from the future to the past angelo i wanted to talk about something that uh exists in many different cultures but particularly um um you've probably had some real life experience with and i want to talk about the evil eye for this episode right so i what i knew what i understood is i knew that i was going to talk about the evil eye and then i realized my co-host is a real life italian man <laughs> who probably has some stories about the the evil eye or the malocchio or like whatever we want to call it um depending on which uh, part of the world you're in so i figured if we could start with um angelo's history of the evil eye in the world and then we can sort of like take it back to a more global view of uh, how long it's been around different cultures and things like that well growing up in an italian family you'd see the little horns right the little italian horns so you'd see yep. the either the single horn or sometimes you see the hands right like the i mean the sign of the devil that you see at metal concerts is actually and i didn't know this until we started researching for this episode that's like Ronnie James Dio like came, came up with that because of his Italian background. I love how you blew out um, the further part of the episode to talk about this. Thank you, Angela, for ruining the flow, but that is okay. It's okay. Uh, it's just because it came up in thinking about it, and we'll go back to it later, but I never really thought of it that way, and that's yeah. what these little symbols are for. And also in doing this, there's a, a, a thing we would say in my parents' dialect, right? So, like, it's not "quote unquote" real Italian, but when you say we would we would say something like "fuori malocchio," which is if you say it in real Italian, is "fuori malocchio," right? So, out with the evil eye. Correct. So we would say it, but we'd say it all the time. In in, but in um in a statement of surprise, like it, almost. Sort of like saying holy smokes or something like that. Right, right. So two things before I forget. Ronnie James Dio's birth name is Ronald James Patavonia, which explains his oh, Italian background. It's weird because I thought it would be closer to, to Dio of some no, kind. It's not, right? No, he he just decided to go with God. Yes, I was going to say that, that literally means God. <laughs> going with God. Um, but yeah, so uh, there is some arguments to be made. So he originally... Um, started doing the Malocchio as the sort of like the quasi devil horns when he replaced Ozzy Osbourne um, in Black Sabbath in the late 70s and into the early 80s. And so Ozzy was known for the peace sign, still is, right? So uh, Ronnie James Dio wanted some kind of physical way of connecting with the audience. So he started doing the uh, the evil eye repelling, which I thought was interesting. But there is some proof that Geezer Butler, who is the bassist, um, uh, there's like several images of him doing this earlier on like a decade before this and of course the most hated man in rock a man i despise more than anything gene simmons tried to apply for a trademark 
for it about uh, seven or eight years ago and was roundly rejected. I feel like he's the Donald Trump of rock. Oh, thousand percent. That's right. Always scheming. He's a bit of a grifter. Is he that any, is he that good of a bass player? Not really. No, no, he's not like they wrote fun songs, but going back and listening to kiss, nothing against kiss. It's, it's great rock music, but it's not exactly, uh, it's not Jacko Pastores here. You know, not, not who I ended close. up watching a bunch of random videos on uh, uh, a couple of days ago. That's a it's tragic, actually, because he know, was he was amazing. Yeah, uh, definitely some interesting sartorial choices. Okay, so let's bring it back to Angelo, right? So the cornicello, right, which is the little horn. Yes, the little horn. Um, yeah, you'd see those hanging off the uh, rearview mirror of cars in Italy. Very often. that's true, and also a couple here. I mentioned. Yeah, well, right? I mean, there's a so, sizable Italian population. Very much so. Did you ever have one? Yeah, not not hanging off my mirror. My sister had one in her in her car, and I, my dad had it on his keychain, I think, for a while. Okay, but lately, not really. Like, it's not something. It's kind of like it's a. It's to me, is very eighties in my family, anyway. Yeah, so it is worn to you know obviously uh, protect against the evil eye. I also heard something very interesting in that it. Um, um, okay, so you and I could both agree that like. Italian men are very machismo, right? It's a very machismo culture. Yeah, of which I don't fall into that category. No, very but much. I'm just I'm just trying but to in lay general, out. Some, like, you're generalizing, yes. yeah, and stereotyping. Correct. Perfect. So um, a lot of people have suggested that the evil, um, and I've read this in a number of places. So like um, these evil entities, not just the gaze or the stare that that is the evil eye, but entities who can give the evil eye are often women. Okay. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's like the gypsy women. Actually, that's the. Correct. But uh, I also read that the shape of the horn is phallic in nature to distract the evil woman from doing her gaze through horniness. Well, I mean, there's horns, there's phallic symbols here. You've got everything. On well, the plate. Yeah, I just thought it was really interesting that like um, um, the idea here traditionally is that they're like, they're, this is just a sociological excuse to call Italian men and Italian women horny. Yeah, and it definitely tracks in the way yeah. that like you <laughs> kind of explain it, right? <laughs> Which I thought was interesting because the molecchio, or sorry, the the cornicello, um, also is like uh, promotes uh, fertility and virility. So I thought that also falls into into that. There, not only is it uh, it's a good luck charm eye. too, right? So yeah, like it, it yeah. falls into so many categories. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. And it's funny because a lot of people mistake the Hamza, which is like, uh, do you know the, the charm the with the fly? With the, yeah, with yeah. That, with the eye so on it, yeah. A lot of people confirm the, the Hamza or the Nizar, which is more of the classic, the Greek style, I think, right? Of yes. the, the, the four circles, which actually faces an eye. A lot of people call that the evil eye, but they don't understand that it's to ward off the evil eye. Do you know what the true evil eye is, though, Brian? Uh, is it a panopticon prison? Well, I, I mean, as a dad joke, you'd say Sauron, but no. Uh, it's the. Well, I mean, Sauron is a giant evil, evil eye in the eye, sky, yes. right? So. Uh, no, but it's uh, the eye on the $1 bill. That creepy oh, of course. pyramid floating. I was going to say, well, the American $1 bill, right? Yeah. That is such a creep. We don't have a dollar bill. Uh, unless you count the eye on the, the, the loony. <laughs> like the actual duck, or when you turn, balloon. when you turn the, and you stare at the polar bear in the back of the tunie, you're, you're you. trying to stare at eye. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. So the evil eye, the concept of, of has been around for like like uh, uh, millennia, five millennia at this point, yeah, almost right. And uh, I'm kind of interested in talking about like different kinds of ways, right? So for example, like in Greek culture, the eye of Horus, right? Yes, um, which is like the super stylish version. So charms of the evil Horus were actually like that was a good thing to be buried with a lot of the time. Apparently, it protected you from the evil in the afterlife. That and your cat. Well, uh, yes. Well, I mean, you could also, yes. So both, right? 
does the evil eye have anything to do with the tradition of putting money on people's eyes when they died? I don't know. That is a good question. I don't think so. I think it's a, an entirely different set of customs there. Even okay. though, like, the concept of the evil eye is in, like, so many different... Like, it touches the world's three major religions. It's discussed in Judaism, it's discussed in Christianity, and it's also discussed in Islam. That's because the eye is so important, obviously. It's, it's how you see the world. It's the window to the soul. Yeah. So, you know, for example, like, you know, even in the West Indies, there's the idea of the, the eye of the Maljo, right? Which is a, a, a play on the words of bad eyes in French, which is Mazur. Yeah, and so it's it's uh, it's the same kind of way. It's the it's the afflicted gaze that someone gives you, um, mostly. But the the funny thing that runs the thread through all these is like the evil eye is given because mostly of envy. So that's where the the tradition comes from. Basically, you don't want people, you don't want to be envious to prevent the evil eye, or is it because if you're envious, you give someone the evil eye? Is you're because you're looking, someone the evil eye. You're looking at basically is you're looking and you covet what they They're have. Good fortune, yeah, exactly. And that's yeah. the your eye is evil for yeah. for coveting yeah. what they have. I actually did some research and I read some really interesting stories about how farmers used to let um, parts of their crops fail. Really, in order to, to not look as like um, well off as they should be, in order to avo- get uh, avoid the evil eye being cast upon them, which I thought was like a really interesting preventative way of trying to dodge the evil eye by just not being as perfect. And now this is the segment of the podcast where we go into the conspiracy of how Monsanto is evil. Well, yeah, I mean, like, listen, like they are, uh, you know, genetically modifying crops in order to, to to die so that people don't get envious of your crops. Yeah, I'm sure they sell that in the catalog. (laughs) Yeah. The the header on the second page says that, right? Once you open it up, Uh, it's also huge in Greek, right? Uh, Ancient Greece and modern Greece both have the evil eye, right? It's uh, very interesting. It's, um, you can uh, use the power of prayer in Greece to get rid of it, which I thought was kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, my grandmother used to do all kinds of weird rituals to kind of get rid of uh, your bad fortune and the evil eye. And I mean, that's a tradition they come. I mean, my grandmother was born in 1909 or something like that. Right. And born in the old country, right? So Very much so, yeah. They, yeah. They, my dad was very young when he came here, but yeah, he, you know, they, they, they came here from Italy. I don't think my grandmother ever really spoke any English or French. And lived in Quebec for so long. Uh, that's something she has in common with a lot of West Mountain people. I'll tell you that right now. Okay. <laughs> uh, so something that's, that's interesting a is Quebec Montreal joke. Exactly. Like there's like three people listening who are nodding vigorously and their yes. heads are hurting because of it. Um, and it's kind of interesting because uh, in Greek culture, the evil eye is more closely linked to not just envy but the devil evil like pure evil true evil versus okay. like true evil versus like terrestrial evil of like someone coveting something else so more in line with warding off evil spirits and things like that where yeah exactly versus like evil intentions or bad luck even yeah exactly so it's just it's a very interesting kind of um uh, dual layered protection or dual layered evil eye and then we come full circle back to how in italy they use devil horns as part of the evil eye protection. Yeah, which I, I've, I, I would love to understand the sociological uh, invention of the... Because it's not necessarily the evil eye. It's, the, like, it's almost like a little Dougie. Yeah. You're making right? a Nessie it, hand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Nessie, Nessie, they didn't find anything. Do we talk about that last episode? I can't remember. But anyways, they did their weekend. They didn't find anything. I think we talked about that. Yes. Uh, but just I want to remind everyone, no Nessie, no nothing, unfortunately. So I hope everyone out there is okay. Too bad. But yeah, uh, have you used the devil horns in your day-to-day life, Angelo? Not really, but I, I remember 
going to Italy a long time ago, and people like just freely did that as like, oh, good luck or whatever like that, right? Or like, yeah. or um, if you had good fortune, they would do that for you to like ward off the evil eye from your good, good fortune. Right. And then also in Levian Satanism, right? So Anton LaVey's strain of Satanism, which is actually just belief in the self, um, it is a greeting. So they've kind of flipped the the, the sort of script on it. Well, he's a good Satanist. <laughs> I mean, like, listen, there are real, you know, there are definitely um, Satanists out to cause mayhem in the world. And there are Satanists who are just trying to cause internal mayhem within themselves by doing whatever they want. And, and to, to make you happy, I, I connected this to a movie. And all this evil eye talk made me think of the movie Drag Me to Hell. Oh, yeah. Right? Where she gets cursed, correct, by a Romani woman? That is correct, yeah. Is saying, is gypsy a derogatory term now? It can be. It can okay. be. Okay. I do not mean it in that, in that way, though. But. I figure. But uh, it made me think of another movie, actually, an earlier movie, that um, in adaptation of Stephen King's Thinner. Oh, that's a creepy movie. Yeah, where a Romani woman um, um, curses uh, uh, someone and then ends up just getting thinner and thinner. Yeah, really, that's really creepy. Yeah, exactly. Because he, he accidentally runs over, uh, like an older, the main character runs over an older Romani woman, and then the family curses him to just keep losing weight. Not a pleasant way to go. So, uh, speaking of movies, though, Brian, I did see a good horror movie recently. That Go uh, on. I did have a nightmare that evening. <laughs> Did you? Uh, yes. Was it Fast X? Did you finally watch Fast X? I have not watched that yet. I'm waiting for it to come out. I watched Smile. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because I recently signed up for Paramount Plus just to give it a try. There's a bunch of stuff on there that's pretty good. And Smile. Wow. Uh, really good, low-key horror movie. I agree. It was one of my favorites last year, actually. Very creepy. Because... Right, like I think the creepy smile is what makes people afraid of clowns in many cases, and the the creepy smile in this movie was amazing. They had a um, a really really solid uh, marketing stunt where they were placing people who could do the creepy smile um, in the back of like li- live sports broadcasts, so baseball games. Oh, that's amazing! So right behind know. home plate, and so you could you'd be able to see like people with like really creepy smiles while watching the baseball game. That's awesome, actually. So I thought it was actually like a really cool stunt to do. Uh, I also have been watching a couple of, of scary movies. I watched David Cronenberg's Shivers, right? So um, his first full-length movie um, shot on Nuns Island here in Montreal. So the entire time I was watching this, I was like, oh, I know exactly where that is. Um, I watch it. I rewatch it every couple of years. It's fun. It's different. How old is I the also, movie? Uh, how old is the movie? Must be pretty old. Yeah, it's 70, I want to say 75, 74, 75. Okay. So he did that in Rabbit in quick succession. And then I also watched a movie, Angelo, that I could not even begin to explain to you. And what is it? It only has two people. It is a movie from 1987 called The Caller. And it stars Malcolm McDowell and Madeline Smith Osborne. And there's only two people in the entire movie, Angelo. And it's like 95 minutes. And so for the first like 90 minutes, you're trying to figure out what exactly is going on. Because basically what happens is this guy shows up to a cabin and he goes, my car broke down. I need to use your phone. And the first like 90 minutes are like, okay, this is kind of interesting. It's like a cat and a wolf kind of game between the two. You don't know how it's going. The last five minutes just, it's just insane. And I don't know if anyone's ever seen this movie. You have, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't necessarily want to spoil it. Um, okay. cause it's on Tubi. You could go watch it for free on Tubi. Um, it is not what you'd expect. Okay. All right. 
you do you recommend is it is it interesting is it a good watch or is it boring for 90 minutes you could watch the first 45 and then like fast forward to the last like 10 okay because <laughs> <laughs> um, i understand they need to build the tension and stuff and then but the, it's all wasted at the end um yeah uh which is just fine <laughs> oh i also watch hijack the apple plus show oh yeah is that any good Idris Elba's in it. Can't be bad. It sure is. You'd really enjoy okay. it. Oh, okay, good. Because it's it's there. I just have been watching. There's so many different things I'm watching. I'm watching The Bear as well. And oh yeah, I've been watching Survivor with my daughter. Oh because, yeah. Because uh, there's season thirty and onwards. I didn't realize. Like I forgot about Survivor because I didn't have TV. But Survivor was one of my favorite shows. And uh, we watched the latest season, which was great because there were no jerks on it. It was just. Everybody's just happy to be there. That's and rare, dude. It was just people were nice, and I'm telling my daughter, I'm like, this is not normally how Survivor is. Like, people are jerks to each other a lot of times, and she, we really enjoyed it. We're happy with who who won and everything. And now we've gone back to season thirty, and like two episodes in, my daughter's like, I don't like these people. Yeah, well, that's the way it was played, right? For a long yeah. time, but it's still entertaining. And uh, and I've also been watching a show called Ghosts. Oh, nice. Yeah. I watched the. I'm watching the the HBO docu series Telemarketers. It's a three part miniseries, and it's funny because like I definitely have known people growing up who would have worked in a, a call center like that. I worked in a call center for two weeks, but it was like reverse telemarketing, where they would call you to cancel something and you convince oh, yeah. them to keep it. Yeah, yeah. And Were you I quit as soon as I started doing calls. I quit it because it was a terrible job. So do you recommend I watch Telemarketers because I've seen it pop up? Absolutely, it looks really absolutely. Good. Just for the characters alone. So this is like uh, you know tech paranormal and uh, like pop media culture talk, cleanup. yeah. Yeah. So uh, speaking of media, though, Angelo, next week we are doing Coast to Coast AM September oh, edition. Yeah. We're doing Jose Escamilla. We're doing Rods. Get ready for Rods. Rods are live. Rods are in the air. Rods are everywhere. Amazing. Are you excited? Rods always get me excited because it's <laughs> <laughs> he's 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 giving me four thumbs up here, like Roger Ebert style. It's just because it's. It was so silly the first time I saw it on TLC all those years ago. And the only reason they exist is because of frame rates. Well, we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Angela, I think this is a good place to end episode 240 of the Double Density Podcast. Why don't you tell the fine folks listening where they can find us and how they can give us a rating? Well, I think you should go to the Apple Podcast page, store, whatever, and uh, drop us a review. Give us a rating. Always helps us. Uh, like and subscribe <laughs> hit that bell right can you do all these things brian hit the bell yeah they could definitely hit some kind of bell i guess if they wanted to also go to doubledensity.net and fill Correct. out a form send Correct. us a message we might Correct. read it we might Correct. not i'm still on still on twitter double underscore density double density podcast over x instagram x whatever i'm not calling fast it until i have to <sighs> what a mess what a friggin mess that is all right this has been it Episode 240 of the Double Density Podcast. And tune in next week as Angela and I continue to give each other the devil horns in unexpected public places. Angelo, get ready for some horns. And rods. <laughs> <laughs>